Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free private Facebook community, Mind Body Breakthroughs. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. The Auto Wild Grill is the king of sophistication, bringing that steakhouse feel into the comfort of your own home. Portable, easy to assemble and clean, the Auto Wild Grill packs a big punch in your grilling game. With only three minutes of preheating needed to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit, you can expect moisture and flavor sealed within a gorgeous steakhouse crust in minutes. The secret is in the Auto Grill's radiant technology, which allows for higher searing temperatures, faster cooking, and juicy steaks. What are you waiting for? Save $300 off the purchase of your grill. See the show notes for discount link and code. Ashley and Sarah Armstrong are sisters who live and breathe the carnivore lifestyle. Ashley is a Ph.D. candidate in mechanical engineering. Sarah majored in health sciences and studied nutrition after undergrad. Together, their goal is to open up their own holistically managed farm in the next few years. Follow their journey on their very informative and entertaining Instagram and YouTube under The Strong Sisters. Links in the show notes. Ash and Sarah Armstrong, welcome to the program. How are you guys doing today? Good. Thank you for having us on. We're very excited to talk to you guys today. Yeah, thank you guys. Yes, we're so happy you're here. Well, we have been looking forward to interviewing you guys. We really enjoy your Instagram, uh, great content that you put out, and really just the fun and the levity that you bring to it. I think uh, sometimes, you know, we get caught up in the science and all kinds of complicated and, you know, scientific stuff, but you guys definitely present things in a very enjoyable, easy to understand way. So for those of our listeners that are not as familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourselves. Tell us about your journey. Okay. So Sarah and I, so I'm Ashley. I'm Sarah. And we are sisters and we currently live together with our three big doggos. Um, And I would say that health has always been important to us. Mm -hmm. Um, But we are now at a point where we actually understand what health means to us, if that makes sense. So it's always been important, but we have finally found a way that actually produces health. Um, And so you kind of get caught up in some of the the dogma and the uh, dietary guidelines from, you know, example, government agencies. And we really took those to heart. And once we put our mind to something like we're going to stick to it and we want to follow it 100%. So we'll, we'll flash back like, I don't know, 
how many years ago did we start doing this yeah. together? Um, it's kind of been just like a, a very long health journey that yeah. got us where we are today. So yeah. back in high school, um, probably around 2014 for me and a little bit. Well, so Ashley, just to give context, Ashley's three and a half to four years older than me. So she was going to college right when I was starting high school. And so at this time, we both had like, our own struggles. Yeah, we had our own struggles. And like I said, or like she said, we always were cog. Like we, we thought about our health, but we never knew what we were actually doing was right. And so that led to a lot of trials and even more errors, which eventually yes. led to us coming, um, getting a diagnosis of an autoimmune condition. At that point, that was probably three or so years ago. At that point is when we realized like we, we actually need to take control of our health. And that means getting to the bottom of what's been going on. Like we thought we'd been living healthy. We've been eating yeah. all the vegetables. We've been doing everything that people say to do to be healthy. We've been going to the gym. Avoiding yet, red meats. Yeah. Yet there's something going wrong. And so when we finally recognize like, holy crap, everything we've ever known has been wrong. We yeah. need to do a complete 180. That was at the point when we were like, we have to share this. Like everybody else needs to know this. People in our generation are being told ridiculous things leading to just an unnecessary amount of health issues. And if we can do something to help one person avoid this, avoid what we ended up going through, then like that is our mission. And that is why we are the place we are today. Yeah. And I think that experiencing true health where we are now yeah is something everyone deserves yeah and we really see it as one of our main missions to tell our generation this and we really want to try to change the viewpoints of our generation because i think the biggest problem right now is just they're misinformed that was a long rambling yeah sorry <laughs> Yes, that is so true. There's so much information out there and it's easy to get lost in the sea of the internet of what is true, what is not. Could you walk us through a little bit um, about the process of how you went about transforming your health and how you empowered yourself? Yeah, so I actually remember uh, just reading, starting to read about keto. Education, yeah. yeah so we i think this was last year at some point um so we last just last year we were still kind of relatively high carb low fat but rotating our veggies eating the rainbow um you know doing doing what we thought was right and then i started finding some scientific papers about keto and then started to find this keto community and learning a little bit more about it and honestly our biggest hesitancy to switching to keto was because we thought that our gym performance was going to go to crap. Um, and so <laughs> reflecting back on it, I think it took us way too long to transition, but it, it truly, we were going back and forth like, well, my gym, like I'm, I'm not gonna be able to lift as much weight. We aren't going to be able to do as much in the gym. And so that was like that, you know, that's the biggest critique that people on the other side say, like, you can't lift without carbs and all of this. So, that was our biggest hesitancy, but then we finally jumped in, I think last fall and slowly started to see our symptoms go away. And now here we are now like complete 180. So we were relatively high carb, low fat transition to keto with like still 40 grams of carbs and still prioritizing veggies. Right. Um, and now that we are now animal based and like 99% 
um, fats and proteins. It's just a complete, completely different. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, to add to what she was saying, to answer your question, there was a lot of self-educating. Yeah. Um, but that wouldn't have come and we wouldn't have listened to what we were reading had not our priorities shifted. And our priorities at that time shifted to needing to take care of our health. And I feel like once you only get to that point once you lose your health, and that's that's a shame. Yeah. Um, so we came to that realization. We did our own education, and then yeah, it, it's been a very long journey, you know. But and before before we switched our diet, we were still huge in fasting because we saw the we felt the benefits of fasting, um, being in ketosis. But unfortunately, we thought at the time that that switch between glucose metabolism and then switching into fasting was just something we were going to have to deal with for a while because we still wanted the carbs. Um, but I think it started with fasting and self-education and that led us to ketosis, led us to carnivore. Awesome. And you guys have had some dramatic results, uh, especially with the autoimmune condition. Tell us about what's going on with that. Yeah. you. Oh yeah. So <laughs> I got blood work done last year when I was keto and I still had my autoimmune markers, the ANA levels. And then I got it done early this year, still had ANA levels and then got it done in July of this year, I think, which was about three months, four months into carnivore and ANA levels were completely gone. Um, and yeah, go ahead. So I was under the belief from my rheumatologist and other doctors I've dealt with that you will never really reverse your ANA levels. And so the way you go about your condition is to focus on symptoms and reducing your symptoms. Um, so we had the we, mindset of like, this is something we're gonna deal with for the rest of our life. Oh yes, but by doing fasting and by doing keto, we did a lot to reduce our symptoms. I thought that was just going to be like the future, like okay, um, we won't have to deal with these symptoms for now if we keep eating this way. But it was very, very amazing to see Ashley's blood work come back negative because that was something we told was not possible, which just like, that's mind blowing to me. You yeah. Know? So it's, it's so, been, so cool. It's been very empowering. Yeah. And I will be transparent. My blood work at the time did not come back negative. I have been doing carnivore for three or four months less than Ashley. So I'm hoping in three or four months, down the line, mine will come back negative. I mean, that's obviously something I'm gonna keep striving for, but so long as my symptoms aren't there, I'm, it's hard to complain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how long before you noticed the resolution of, of symptoms? Um, it was, so we both have, we both had pretty, uh, we both had different symptoms. So I'll talk about mine first. So I had pretty bad rain ads, um, that I would have even in hot temperatures, right? So both my toes and my fingers just wouldn't be able to feel them. And that was probably the one of my biggest symptoms, but honestly, digestion, and that's something that people don't really relate to an autoimmune condition, but like leaky gut, digestion issues, constipation, not pooping, that's something I've dealt with since I've been like 10 years old. And so I think now reflecting back, that probably was one of the main causes of my autoimmune condition. and going carnivore, I started to see the digestion improvements two to three months in. So to be honest, at the start of my carnivore journey, my constipation and my pooping got worse. Um, and I think that that's an important message to tell people is like, 
when you switch to carnivores, sometimes it's going to take a little bit of time for symptoms to change completely, but that you can't expect things to flip like a switch because you've had, you know, 20 years of eating a certain way. You can't expect just a week or two and see automatic results. So mine went backwards when I started carnivore, but then my digestion started to regulate and resolve with carnivore. And that was like truly amazing. And I think that that was probably one of the root causes of my autoimmune. And so since then, um, digestion has improved. I don't like my sensitivity to cold. I'm able to go outside a lot easier and I don't get rain ed. So those are, I guess, in addition to like brain fog, those were my main symptoms that I dealt with. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm similar to her and my digestion's been weird too, but mine was more of like things you could notice about me. So I had very inflamed and puffy hands. My skin has always been weird. My blood flow, very bad. So that led to like very cold hands and feet as well. Um, I've had for many years there, despite like eating healthy and working out, I had a very hard time managing my weight. Yeah. Like unnecessarily. And I could never get to the bottom of it. Um, and I contribute that to being very insulin resistant now, but, um, brain fog, fatigue, depression, dealing with instable mood. I was a nutcase, just like one minute happy, one minute, just like absolute horrible tears. And I know that could possibly have to do with other things, but the amount that I have been able to take control over my attitude and my mood now that I have control over my diet and my symptoms is just in, the difference is insane. And so I really started to notice differences when going keto in terms of reduced inflammation, a better ability to control my weight. Um, and I was, I was getting happier then, but really literally the last thing I eliminated from my diet from going keto to carnivore was bok choy. <laughs> and the next freaking day, like, my weight dropped more. My my fingers were like the least inflamed I've ever seen them. My ring just moved on and off my finger easily when before it would just get stuck. It was crazy. And so ever since then, I, I just feel like a weight's been lifted off my chest. And that obviously affects how I go about every single day, improving my mood. So for me, going keto to carnivore, the improvements were pretty drastic. But going just fasting to keto... It took time. It took a few months for me to notice anything in terms of less brain fog and all that that stuff that you get from being in ketosis, which I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's awesome. I can definitely relate to your story. And for me as well, there was a dramatic change when I went from keto to carnivore. And I love, uh, you know, there's just something special about proving the experts wrong. And you know, lifelong conditions not being that way. And it's uh, just amazing the amount of autoimmune and very serious conditions that we've seen, you know, see clear up on a carnivore diet. I know with my uh, diverticulitis I had a perforated colon and they told me that it would have to be removed, that it was a certainty. Well, almost two years carnivore, I never once had a symptom ever again. And uh, looking forward, I'll be getting my colonoscopy here this year. That's awesome. And it's going to be completely clear, which is amazing. So I want to talk about training. You guys have super fun, very educational training. You guys are killing it in the gym, doing an amazing job. Tell us about it. Have you always been into weight training and how has it changed? And like, what's, what's been your experience? 
Yeah. So I have been an athlete my whole life, um, just playing a bunch of sports growing up. And then I played pretty competitive golf um, through age 21. And so I played in college. And so obviously being an athlete, a huge part of that is working out and having that training to complement your sport. So I've, I've really, it's always been a huge part of my life. And thinking back to us, Sarah and I growing up in the same house when we were in high school and middle school, um, I always tried to get Sarah to work out with me. And I remember like just at the start of it, uh, she absolutely hated it and would dread doing it. Wouldn't, wouldn't even participate with me, would give like 50% effort. Um, I was a chubby child. <laughs> I don't like being on an exercise ball when I am a ball myself. <laughs> um, so it's, it's crazy that like once I then left for college, like she really, that really became a huge part of her life. Um, and so you can talk a little bit more about that transition if you want. Yeah. So for me, um, I started in high school, obviously caring about, obviously if I was a chubby child, people called me chubby. And so I, I had this in my brain that some, like I needed to do something about that and that took its own toll on me. So in high school, I got really into health. And like I said, that's, what I thought was healthy back then, but I really started to work out and I learned a lot about lifting, um, getting stronger, doing powerlifting. And even though I had skewed views of what healthy was back then, I like just would never return or exchange like everything that I learned going through that because it obviously made me into the person I am today. So getting into the gym, that's my therapy. That's how I deal with things. Um, and obviously, as we all know, lifting weights is incredibly important for our health. So uh, it just I'm grateful that Ashley forced me so I knew something about it. But then I'm also grateful that I like educated myself. Yeah, I, I stayed consistent, even though I thought I was smaller than too big. Um, it really is a useful tool for your life just getting in the weight room. And yeah, it's just a part of our life now. You know, and like we put it on the story every day because that is our every day, if that makes sense. I think this is something that people take for granted because there's obviously the health benefits of lifting. I would say lifting has been a absolutely huge part of my life in terms of developing confidence. Um, I've dealt with self-confidence issues for a while, like a while in high school and college and transitioning my training from just like exercising and lift and like uh, just contracting muscles to focusing on strength. So powerlifting um, has really helped me transform my confidence outside the gym. So me being able to stay small, but lift a lot of weight, um, gives me like an insane amount of like, I, I just get a lot of happiness out of it. And also just a lot of confidence that I'm then able to transform into other areas of my life, like research work or my relationship with other people and type of things. The best thing about what she just said is that weight is relative. So yes. What you lift and if you're strong, like if you go up the next day, that's incredible right there. That's your body making an improvement. So. Yeah, it's you versus you. And I think that yeah, that is that is just one of the best parts about it for sure. Because <laughs> you don't, it, as hard as it, it is to just focus on your self-improvement, you don't need to compare to anyone else in order to do well or like be Good able progression. to progress. Yeah. Yes, I love all of that about training. I can completely relate to that because that's what the gym is for me. You just get yeah. in there. You're setting a goal for yourself. You're watching yourself evolve. It's all mind in the muscle. You kind of get outside of yourself. And when you build that confidence, 
in, in the gym, it definitely goes into other areas of your life. And I was just wondering, how do you evolve your nutrition and diet around your training? Do you have any tips for our listeners uh, that are also uh, doing a carnivore approach and training, especially for our women out there? Yeah, so it really, it really depends on your goal. Um, and I think that that's what you have to determine first. So if your goal is weight loss, your nutritional strategies are going to be different from someone whose goal is to build muscle. So I'll talk a little bit about mine right now. My goal to be, to be clear is I'm actually, I've actually gained weight going carnivore. I've gained six pounds, but that's on purpose because I've strategically increased my calories above my maintenance level. So that way I, my body has the tools to build muscle, right? Um, so my focus in training and nutrition is to, we like to, on our Instagram, we like to call them our little operations. So our focus, this, this like bulking season, I guess you can call it is lower body. So it's operation hot dogs to bratwurst. Cause we're trying to grow our hot dog legs into bratwurst, right? So for my operation hot dogs to bratwurst right now, um, the biggest thing is to get be to be in a caloric surplus. And, um, so right now that means like higher fat and higher protein. Uh, there's the, you know, the debate in the carnivore community, whether you need to be high protein or high fat. Um, I think if you're spending a lot of time in the gym, I don't think it makes sense to have your protein low. That's my personal opinion. Um, and so that fat amount is a, a tool that you can use based on your goal. So if your goal is weight loss, maybe decrease your fat. If your goal is to gain muscle, that fat is ultimately energy, energy you can use in the gym to push yourself. So increase your fat. Um, so I would say biggest thing for me is to be in a caloric surplus. And that was by increasing to put on muscle. To put on muscle and that was by increasing my fat. However, um, we've also posted a little bit about carbs. And so we don't view carbs as a macronutrient. We view carbs as a supplement and as a tool. Do you need carbs every day? Absolutely not. Can carbs potentially help you in the gym? Yes. And I think when it comes to gaining and building muscle, there are two important things. One, you're eating enough protein. Two, you're uh, providing your muscles with a training stimulus. So that way your muscles adapt and change and grow, right? What carbs can do is it can help you increase that training stimulus. And I have noticed in the gym, when I strategically use carbs around specific lips, lifts, I'm able to push myself more, which ultimately means that I'm providing a larger training stimulus for my muscles. So I use carbs on an, on occasion. Um, and I have found that best carbs for me are intra workout carbs. I feel that energy instantly and I'm able to use those carbs instantly for my lifts. That's my personal experience. I don't know if you want to. Yeah, she covered pretty much everything I would say, but for, for I personally don't use the intra workout carbs. And I, the only reason I would actually eat carbs is out of like, it's fall and I want pumpkins. So like that would be the only thing. Um, so I don't really use carbs. And the reason being is because I prefer to train in this, in like a deeper state of ketosis, I just feel more focused. I feel better. I don't feel bloated. Um, and because of that, I'm ultimately able to push more because I found that if I was eating the carbs, then I just feel bogged down despite potentially being able to lift more weight. So I think it just really depends on how your body reacts to those carbs, how you respond to them. Do they cause your symptoms to flare up? Um, do you find more energy from them? Are you fine just training with higher fat? Like, it really doesn't, so long as you're pushing yourself in the gym, that's the takeaway message here. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I think that the take, I think the biggest takeaway is oh, okay. know your goal, be very specific <laughs> with your goal and find an approach that will allow you to move closer to your goal. Yeah. And it, it takes a lot of experimentation. And don't fear the fats. Yes. Yes. If you're trying to put on muscle, you need the fat for the energy. Yeah. Go. <laughs> speaking of speaking of fearing food, I think a lot of our listeners would want me to ask you, tell us about your nose to tail approach and all of the interesting food that you guys eat. These carnivore platas are just Bump amazing. It. And uh, have you always eaten that way? Is this are you guys, you know, were you into organ meats growing up? See, I wasn't. And so I'm slowly working myself into it. But, I, you know, you guys definitely embolden and inspire me. I see you eating these amazing plates. So tell us tell us about it. Tell us about your, your experience there. Okay. We definitely did not grow up eating any sort of organ meats. I don't even know where the switch to, like, at what point in time there was a switch in my mind that, like, said I could eat these things. But I, I know. You know. Oh, she knows. I... Okay, so no, we we never used to be adventurous eaters. No. Uh, we would stick with chicken, egg whites, vegetables. Yeah. That was our diet. Protein um, ice cream. And yeah. Oh, actually no, lots of cereal. Just Yeah. All the all the safe things were told by like, you know, big big egg big egg in the food yeah. industry that we can eat, yet it's loaded with sugar anyway. But I think that this switch came about when my body started to I think that my body loved the nutrients that it was getting. And so in the process, it told my mind that I want more and more of these things. So my taste buds evolved with my body. I was finally getting these bioavailable nutrients and therefore I was craving them more and more because I wanted my brain to operate a certain way. I wanted to operate a certain way in the gym. Mm. And my, I started to realize like, holy cow, when I eat this way, I can thrive. And so I think that my taste buds evolved with that realization. And I think that my like body thriving was like a huge part of that. Um, and I don't know the first time I tried raw frozen liver, I loved it. So maybe that's just, I was meant to have liver and I don't know, but it was, it was love at first taste. All I gotta say. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that another thing that keeps us going with that is just the concept of following a all meat diet could seem extremely restrictive and boring. Like if you think of a plate, you're thinking, Oh, there's some ground beef, maybe a slice of bacon. And I could easily see somebody getting bored and fed up with that and yeah. then going off plan or whatever. And so honestly eating nose to tail adds so much variety to our plates that we're never bored. Yes. And there's always another option like, Hey, what do you want tomorrow? Let's thaw out this, this tendon or like this tail, this tail. It, it's just, if you figure out how to cook it and you aggressively season with se- with Redmond salt, anything can be exciting and taste good. You just have to get over that fear. And I think that the best way to do this is just dive in. Try something crazy. If you hate it, good, because there's so many other parts you can try. Like, it's endless. It just keeps it exciting. And one final note on, on the nose-to-tail approach. We are extremely passionate about being sustainable with this. And I think embodying the nose to tail approach is like really relieving mentally where we know we're not letting things go to waste. Um, and I think that that also plays a huge role in it for us. I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah. 
Well, I enjoyed recently, Ash, we had a wonderful discussion about deuterium. And I was wondering if you would share just some of the experiences that you've had with that and other kind of biohacking. I know you do uh, blue light blocking glasses, things like that. What other non-dietary approaches have you guys used to improve your health? Yeah. So do you want me to give like a brief sure. uh, round of deuterium for the audience? Um, sure. Okay. So we've all heard of the molecule hydrogen, right? And so hydrogen is used a ton in the body. Um, so it turns out that hydrogen actually has a cousin, we're going to call it, and his name is deuterium. So deuterium is an isotope of hydrogen and it has an extra neutron, which makes it two times as heavy. So anywhere hydrogen can go in the body, deuterium can go as well. Um, and that's not exactly a good thing because deuterium can wreak havoc in our body. So one huge example is uh, formation of energy inside of our cells. And that happens at the mitochondria level where this tiny little nanomotor creates ATP. Um, and the way that it does this is by using a potential. Uh, so just basically, what's the best way to put this? It's potential energy. So on one side of the cell membrane, there's a larger concentration of positive charges. And on the other side, there's a smaller concentration. So therefore, these little nanomotors pull that concentration across the, the, uh, the membrane and in the process, able to make ATP. And ATP is ultimately the fuel source that every single cell in your body needs and requires. So nano, uh, deuterium can actually go in and break those nanomotors because it's two times as heavy. And so if you are breaking these nanomotors, you're ultimately reducing the amount of energy that your body has. And that leads to, you know, brain fog, uh, chronic fatigue. And then over time, that loss of um, energy generation can lead to chronic diseases. And so some people are speculating that the root cause of all these chronic diseases ultimately is deuterium. So one of the main goals in our house now after learning about deuterium is we want to keep our deuterium levels low. And there are a few ways that you can do that. One of the biggest ways is uh, deuterium depleted water. And we actually did that for a three month period of time. Sarah and I were on deuterium depleted water. Unfortunately, that's very expensive. Mm -hmm. So once we worked through our supply of deuterium depleted water, we now have just prioritized water quality. And the best place to get deuter low, low deuterium water is from natural springs. So we encourage people to find natural springs in their area and source their water through that. Um, in terms of like water you can buy at the store, you can buy spring water, but then you can also buy brands like Evian and San Pellegrino actually were tested and have low levels of deuterium. So water is a huge part of that. Um, and so that's one of the biohacking things that people don't talk enough about is honestly water yeah. quality. And other things are red light therapy. So it turns out that red light um, has the frequency that resonates with hydrogen. So it can actually break some of the deuterium and help lower um your deuterium levels as well. And what honestly following a low carb carnivore diet? Yes. Yes. Very true. Very true. So it turns out that fat sources, especially from grass fed and finished animals are the lowest deuterium levels or lowest food sources of um, deuterium lowest have the lowest levels <laughs> of deuterium. So prioritizing animal based food, you are going to lower your deuterium levels um, yeah. as well. So other biohacks um, that we do, we wear our blue light blockers 
at night. Um, we call that team swag on Instagram. You can anybody can join us if you want to get the most ridiculous looking ones. Go on Amazon. They're Uvex, and that's that's been pretty <laughs> crucial for me in terms of improving my sleep. Yeah, that's yes, and honestly, just like ridding of eye straining throughout yeah. the day, looking at screens all the time. Um, and that's because um, blue light at night, so after five or six p.m is going to disrupt your body's ability to create endogenous, uh, uh, wow, what's the word? Melatonin. Melatonin. So your body itself (laughs) makes its own melatonin, and that's ultimately what helps us with sleep onset and falling asleep. And so the more blue light you have later at night, the less uh, melatonin your body's going to produce. So that's definitely been a huge part of our sleep. Yeah. Uh, Recently, we've worked on increasing our sun exposure and really like helping using that to reset our circadian rhythm and increase our vitamin D in our blood. Um, yeah, we were told with our auto, I just posted about this this morning, but like the number one recommendation I was given throughout going to my rheumatologist with, when I had my autoimmune condition was to avoid the sun. And like that, (laughs) That's crazy to think about that now because that's like you see parents with the spray, um, the sunscreen cans spraying their kids everywhere. Like we are just hiding from one of the most powerful things we could do for ourselves. So I will admit we have spent too little time in the sun and we still like I'm I'm in a jacket right now. We still do. So that's something we're working on is increasing our sun exposure. And I think honestly, the biggest thing that we prioritize is steps. So we call it step squad on Instagram. Yeah. And this is not really a biohacking thing that people talk about enough, but it's ultimately movement throughout the day. And so yeah. it, this is actually uh, steps are considered what's called NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is ultimately the amount of calories that your body burns outside of the gym. And we have found prioritizing our daily steps every single day. So we try to hit 12,000 a day. Mm-hmm. Prioritizing steps has been one of the best tools to control our weight, whether we want to gain or lose weight. Um, and it's really, it's been, it's been amazing. Yeah. Uh, just to provide an example of how powerful like your daily activity could be. When I went through my recent um, bikini competition prep, I obviously, when you think of that, you think of a lot of weight loss and you think of a lot of cardio, a lot of lifting and little food. Yes, I had to cut my calories, but the only thing I did for cardio was just increase the amount that I walked around during the day. I didn't do any crazy hit or like running on the treadmill. And I was able to continuously make progress just by increasing the amount of steps I, I took per day. Um, it was just pretty, it was pretty cool. In the, in the past we thought, okay, if we hit the gym in the morning, we don't need to do anything the rest of the day. And we sat. And so honestly that switch where we do both the gym and our steps has been huge for honestly, mental health yeah. and uh, yeah. physical just, health. Just to correlate, one more thing. <laughs> For mental health, honestly, getting your steps in, going outside, walking, yes. like putting your phone in your pocket or leaving it at the house is huge for mental yeah. health. And so I, that's why another reason we just encourage people to get their steps in. Yeah. That's that's it for us. We'll stop <laughs> rambling. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And you guys are up to some really exciting things and you have some projects going on. Could you let our listeners know about some of those projects and what you have going on? Yeah. So in relation to Nose to Tail, we have a cookbook coming out with Dr. Paul Saladino. So when his book is released, The Carnivore Code, it'll be released. Uh, I think two or three months after. Yeah, two or three months after. So it's going to be over, like around 100, 150 or so. 150 recipes. Nose to Tail. Uh, 
man, she's committing to that number. No, yeah. Nose to tail recipes. So really encouraging people to get more creative with the carnivore diet. So we're excited about that one. We haven't shared anything about that. And I just feel like it's because I don't know. We don't know. Um, besides that, Ashley's finishing up her PhD here soon. I'm taking my preliminary exam in like three weeks and then we'll be graduating between six and 12 months after that. So hopefully we'll be done wrapping up next summer or next fall. Um, Sarah and I work with some clients to help them transition, whether that's to just a keto lifestyle or a carnivore lifestyle and accomplish their goals. And Sarah's doing a farming internship right now. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I'm spending time at an incredible or with an following an incredible farmer around in his family. Um, just learning about taking care of animals correctly, managing the lands. Um, cause in the future, Ashley and I want to have in the future being within the next two years, hopefully have our own, um, regenerative farm. And no, 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 no. She said, hopefully, and we sorry, want, it will happen. You're right. Yeah, no more, no more of that mindset, people. Statements. So it will be within the next two years. Um, we'll be managing our own lands, have our own animals, ideally to provide for our family with our food. But then also, we really, really want to host like carnivore get-togethers there. Um, what if anybody wants to just come and hang out and learn? That would be amazing to get reconnected with the land, um, and also just hopefully no yes i am going to we're going to provide other people with um very high quality pasteurized meat so we're really excited about that one we um are super to say that we are passionate about regenerative and holistic agriculture i think is an understatement yeah oh do we announce it no yeah well we we have so we're actually we're starting a podcast purely about that um about kind of because you know our generation is so plant-based and so many of our acquaintances are plant-based and so many of these just false arguments about how the future, like we need to be plant-based by 2050. Um, And so we've, through self-education, we've learned that a lot of these claims are false. And so our goal with this podcast is to just get experts on that can talk about these topics to help re-inform our generation. That's awesome. You guys are setting such a great example. It's such an empowering message. Uh, I really think that uh, you're going to be a, a leading voice for your generation and, you know, get the truth out there. So uh, where where can these guys find you? Yeah. So right now we're on Instagram. That's where we're the most active. And our account is strong.sistas. And the dot is just a period. And it's sistas with it. <laughs> S-I-S-T-A-S. Sistas, like you're in Massachusetts. Yes, sisters. <laughs> so that's our Instagram. That's where we're the most active. So we're on our story every day. Um, we haven't been on YouTube in a while. But we'll get back to it. We do have some a little bit more educational videos on there. And again, I think it's just strong.sistas. We have a website, www.armstrong. Okay, this is where it gets weird. www.armstrongsisters.com. Yeah. Someone took that sister. Yeah, us. you left Massachusetts. <laughs> and, um, I think that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, find us on Instagram. It's and we'll, we'll announce our podcast on our Instagram yeah. here soon. Awesome. And is there a release date for the cookbook? Uh, is it available for pre-order? I don't, I don't know. It's going to be, we're working with Paul on that. Paul's book is going to come out early 2020. So it's probably going to be around March. Yeah. Okay. That's arbitrary, but yeah. Yeah. Yes, all awesome. of us foodies are very excited for that because you guys have some of the best food pictures on Instagram. 
Thank you. We can't we, wait. We honestly hide. We Paul told us, no, you cannot share anything else. So yeah. we hide so many of our recipes. So we like don't show all of our food sometimes. Sad. Um, so we've been really on the down low. I with, mind you guys. Yeah. <laughs> with everything. But yeah. Well, we won't tell anyone. Shh. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure having you guys on. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Keep killing it in the gym. Keep setting a great example. And uh, we're just excited to watch and see what the future has in store for you guys. And uh, guys, if you haven't already, follow the Strong Sisters. They're amazing, very encouraging. Uh, you will be glad that you did. So you guys have an awesome day. Thank you so much for coming by. Thank, Thank you, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Prove It makes exogenous ketone products a perfect accompaniment to your ketogenic lifestyle to help you to optimize energy levels, sports performance, cognitive function, and more. See the show notes to try some today. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.